turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. Real Life Radio is a service of River City Community Church. Grace and peace to you and welcome to Real Life Radio with Pastor Sean Azaro of River City Community Church right here in San Antonio, Texas. A church that exists to help people just like you find the real life you were created for and then find it to the full. And that's what Jesus said in John 10.10. And today we continue in the series called Jesus Has Left the Building and Rediscovering the Biblical Jesus. As today, Pastor Sean has us starting in Luke chapter 4 and a message called Come and See. It's an invitation to see and to testify about the love you were made for. This is Real Life Radio. Our series is called Jesus Has Left the Building, Rediscovering the Biblical Jesus. Okay? And the idea behind that is when we leave, Jesus doesn't stay here kind of waiting for us, pining away all week, till we come back. I know we kind of refer to buildings like this as the house of God, and I understand that, but we can take that metaphor too far and understand this is just a building. You know, during the week, it's the house of River City Believers Academy, our school, you know, that's what it's the house of. Because God lives here, right? And we see a picture of Jesus as one who he did. He met in the temple, it says, as was his custom. We're going to see that in just a minute. He met regularly for worship. But then he lived among people, and it was, it was the power of God unleashed. And that's why, that's why we're talking about this. Now, the question is, why does it matter that Jesus left the building? What was he actually doing? What is the implication of that idea? And that's what I want to talk about this morning. Luke chapter 4, beginning at verse 16, it's early in Jesus' ministry. It says, he went to Nazareth, where he'd been brought up, and on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom, and he stood up to read. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. This is Isaiah 61 that he's reading from. He's anointed me to, bring good, to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Now, there's some very specific groups there. He's preaching good news to the poor. He's talking about the materially poor, but he's also talking about the poor in spirit, those who recognize their bankruptcy apart from God. Good news to the poor, to proclaim freedom for prisoners, literal prisoners who are incarcerated, but also people who are imprisoned by a host of other things, sins, brokenness, habits, whatever it may be. Recovery of sight for the blind. He actually healed people who were physically blind, but far more people had their spiritual blinders removed because of Jesus. And then the last was to release the oppressed, those who were actually physically oppressed and those who were spiritually or emotionally oppressed. So he's got a message that we're talking about. And then, and then, by the way, verse 20 says, Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendants, sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue was fastened on him. And he began by saying to them, Today the scripture is fulfilled 
in your hearing. So he's saying those scriptures that you know is about Messiah, that's being fulfilled right now in front of you. In other words, I'm the one that you've been waiting for. And it's interesting that he, he really says to these different groups of people, what he has for them is a message. It is a message. It could be summed up by saying good news, but he, he lists a number of things. Good news for the poor. Freedom for the prisoners. Recovery of sight for the blind. Release for the oppressed. And the year of the Lord's favor for everyone. This is a message of good news, and that's what the mission of Jesus was. To come to a people that were oppressed, they were lost, they were broken, they were burdened, and to bring an incredible message that Father's not mad, He loves you. And He wants to give you life. If you will just turn to Him. Now, there's this call to share a message. And we talk about it here at River City all the time. Because fundamentally, at the end of the day, we're about that message as well. Remember, we talked last week, we saw how a win for us. Okay, we, what's, our, what's our objective? How do we know when we've won, when we've done well? More people passionately following Jesus. That's what we said. More people passionately following Jesus. We know that there's empty chairs here. And there's supposed to be people in them. God didn't have us buy these chairs so they could sit empty. So we understand the concept of more people. There's people out in the world around us who might be nice people, people we care about, people we know, maybe some we don't know, but we just kind of run into who far from God are every bit as lost as we were far from God. More people. But then passionately following Jesus is, is a pretty powerful description. More people who are understanding who he is, growing deeper in him, in his word, whose lives are being led by the power of God's spirit. That's what we're talking about. We're not just talking about more people in a room, more people in chairs. We're talking about more people who become passionate followers of Jesus. That's how we win. But the question is, where do these people come from? Actually, we know them. We interact with them every single day, those people who need Jesus. Who people who are just like us before someone told us, before someone invited us, before someone opened the door to us. That's where they're supposed to be. Now, and, and now this gets into that challenge of sharing the message. Okay? It can be just plain awkward. It can be stressful. It can sometimes be downright unpleasant. We live in a world where they'll call you a proselyter. They'll question your motives. All these other things. Just because you want to share a message of good news. Well, I'm going to give you a little piece of information. Actually, it's good news that I think will change this conversation forever. And I have to tell you, growing up as a, as a kid in church, I wish someone would have shared this with me. I wish I would have known this. It would have saved me a lot of fear, anxiety, and grief. It really goes back to the real birth of the church. Now, we often talk about Acts 2 being the birth of the church, the day of Pentecost. But I want to go before that to the introduction of the church. Matthew 16. If you have your Bibles, flip over there to Matthew with me, okay? Matthew 16. Beginning at verse 13, this is what we read. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? Who do people say that I am? That's what Jesus is fundamentally saying. And, and you know, if you stop and just think about that with kind of take your Bible lenses off and just kind of look at it, it's like you go tomorrow into, the work, into work at the break room or wherever it is you talk with people at work and you go, come on guys, what's the word on the street about me? What, what are people saying about me? You know, you, you first. Andrew, come on, tell me. What, what are people saying about me? And, and 
for us, people look at you like, yeah, dude, nobody's talking about you but you. So it's not so good. But with Jesus, this was totally different. You have to understand, like today, everybody had an opinion about Jesus. Everybody was talking about him. Some absolutely hated him and wanted to crucify him. Others loved him, recognized him as the Messiah. Others thought, this is the greatest teacher, the greatest miracle worker that we've ever seen. Whatever the opinions, and they were as varied as people, everybody had one. And they were talking, there was a lot of buzz about Jesus. And so they answered his question. They said, well, some say John the Baptist. Others say Elijah. Still others, Jeremiah. Or one of the prophets. They're talking, you must be one of the great prophets or John the Baptist reincarnated. And then Jesus asked this question. It's the fundamental question. But what about you, he asked? Who do you say that I am? And isn't that the real issue? Isn't that the bottom line? Forget all the debates. Forget all the other stuff. This is it right here. Who do you say that I am? And we know that Simon Peter piped up. And he said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus is like, ding, ding, what do we have for Peter? Yes. He didn't actually say that. That, I just kind of made that up. But he did say this. Now listen. He said, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. For this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. In other words, you got it right, Peter, and you had help. You were listening to the voice of my Father, and you got it right. You heard him. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. This was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. And then he goes on. He says, I tell you that you are Peter. The Greek word there is Petros. And on this rock, different word, similar, Petra, on this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Now, this is really interesting. This is absolutely, I mean, transformative when you kind of see what Jesus is saying here. This is so huge, this declaration, this recognition that, Simon, you're getting a new name, okay? You're getting a new name, and Jesus used that word Petras, which is really like the word stone. And so, and this was not a name before. We know lots of kids named Peter, and we've had friends named Peter, so it's common to us. It was not to them. Jesus just up and says, Simon, this is so amazing. You're getting a new name. You're stone. And they're looking around like, stone? Ooh. Okay. That's interesting, Jesus. And then he goes on to say, okay, so stone had this amazing declaration. And on this rock, which is absolutely different, the, the word Petros is like a stone that you can hold in your hand, even a boulder. But the word Petra is a different word. It, it's like a rock mass. It's like enchanted rock. It's huge. It's like a foundation. Upon this rock that stone just shared about, I'm going to build my church. And that's maybe the most fascinating part and the most powerful part. We hear that, and, oh, Jesus can build his church on that. That's cool. It's Jesus talking about the church. That's what he did, right? This is the first time that this word has ever been used. It, it, this is the first time this word comes up in Scripture. I will build my church. So whatever ideas you have right now when you think he's saying church, just get rid of them right now because they had none of those. The word ecclesia, church, means an assembly. Like the citizens, the voting constituency of a nation. That's what he's talking about. 
the ecclesia, the literal translation, the called out ones, this new assembly. He, what Jesus says is, I will build my new community. This is the beginning of the church, and he says the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That, what that means is it's just going to go on and on and on, and the gates of Hades, the gates of hell cannot stop it. And I want to say to you, that's been the historical fact. People can talk opinions about the church, whatever, whatever opinions are great. But the fact is, it just keeps going on in the midst of all the opposition from without or even opposition from within. The church just keeps going on. We want to take a quick minute to remind you you're listening to Real Life Radio, a service of River City Community Church here in San Antonio in this series called Jesus Has Left the Building and Rediscovering the Biblical Jesus. In fact, you can find this whole series on the sermons link at reallife.org. Plus, reminder that River City is hosting three Christmas Eve services this year, starting at 4 o'clock, 5.30, and then at 7. Again, all the details at reallife.org. River City Community Church is a church for real life. Real life is what we were created for and what we're all about. Hi, I'm Pastor Sean Azaro, and we believe that we were made to have a life full of meaning and passion that can only be found in relationship with our Creator. That's what real life is. Now, for us, real life has a bit of a double meaning in that this faith of ours is also a relevant thing to the real world. It works in real life. It's not just a church thing. It's a way of living that powerfully impacts your home, work, and social world. That's why River City has a relaxed, casual feel where we enjoy practical teaching, inspirational music, and age-appropriate discovery for the whole family. We want to help every single person find the life they were created for. River City is located a mile and a half outside of Loop 1604 on Lookout Road, across from Rotama Park. Sunday service times are 9 and 11. Our home on the web is reallife.org. To find out everything you need to know, stop by our website at reallife.org. We look forward to meeting you on the road to real life. Welcome back as we return to this message called Come and See. This is Real Life Radio. Here's Pastor Sean. Roman Empire. Massive world around, just different than anything anyone had ever seen, it tries to stamp out the church. And when the empire ultimately crumbles, the only thing left of it is the church. We get worried about America, folks. We get worried about the United States, and we get worried about the moral state, and I think we should. I think, I think there's lots of warning signs, indicators, go, this can't go on. This is unsustainable. All kinds of problems. And, and I don't think that's inaccurate, that there are really big problems that, you know, we better either do something about or... This train's coming off the tracks. But understand something. We kind of sit and go, oh my gosh, everything good, everything, everything godly is going to be gone when America's gone. Wake up. Because right now the church in China is multiplying and Asia, all throughout Asia is multiplying and growing at exponential rates. South America, unbelievable growth. The church is exploding, folks. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. If the United States cools and becomes like any of the other countries in Europe where they have 1% or 2% evangelical Bible-believing Christians, if that's where the United States goes, as an American, I break my heart. But the church, the church just keeps on, just like it always has. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And one, one thing that's interesting, something we have in common with the church in Asia, Africa, South America, church throughout the ages in history, church in different states, different parts of the world, whatever, whatever you want to, wherever you want to say, the thing we have in common with the church is that declaration. You are the Christ, son of the living God. That's it. 
And, you know, the church can do different things. The church can make mistakes. The church can be, and, and we'll, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll get on some of that. But as long as that declaration is there, they are my brothers and my sisters. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. We can disagree about a lot of things. That declaration is the Petra, the foundation, the rock of the church throughout history. And then he goes on to say, verse 19, listen, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. In other words, this church is going to have power. This church is going to have spiritual and real power. So what's the connection with Luke 4? Okay, we start with Luke 4. Now we're talking about the church. What's the connection? The Luke 4 mission and message that Jesus gave, good news for the poor, release for the captives. Yeah, that isn't a mission or a message that we have to carry out in isolation. It's not something that we have to carry out alone. Jesus' mission in Luke 4 is supposed to be, it is designed to be carried out in community. That's the great news I wish someone would have made more clear to me when I was a kid, when I was younger in the faith. This is going to be carried out in the community. In other words, changing the world takes teamwork, and God's provided a team. We're supposed to do this together. Now, I know the deal. Unfortunately, the church, for many of us, has often not felt like a partner in this deal of sharing this good news with the world around us, but sometimes an obstacle. I understand that. I understand the mistakes the church has made. I get it. Some big ones, some small ones, some more, not really mistakes, just kind of weirdness. You know, do you grow up in any church weirdness? Do you have any stories that church is stranger than fiction stories like I have? I told you before about the dancing in church, and it was never cool dancing, right? You know, how kind of that was. Did I tell you about the Jericho March? Do you know what Jericho March is? Okay, yeah, you know Jericho. And let me just say real clearly, Jericho must have been awesome. Can you imagine Jericho going around this city, this nation of people, walking around every day, the trumpets, the walls go down. I mean, power of God, fear of God stuff, right? It just didn't have that effect in my little church growing up, okay? It was more kind of like a Christian mambo line. Jesus. And, you know, I mean, if, if people are celebrating, if that's an expression of worship and the power of God, whatever, whatever, I was just praying. None of my friends entered the room at the, that time. None of my friends accidentally stumbled in with their parents sitting there looking at me in the mambo line. Even when I was in youth ministry, I mean, it got me thinking about this idea. That's where the, the idea with real life came. I started talking with some of my team members, and we started just dreaming about, is it possible to create an environment that will speak to people who don't yet believe? where you can unashamedly preach the word, unashamedly worship, but people who don't believe can at least come and hear it and consider it. Because I believe if you get people who don't yet believe into authentic biblical community, I'm not talking perfect, okay? Do not hear perfection, but authentic community of faith, I think it breaks down barriers to belief every time. Because while the church has also been one of those things that at times I had to go, oh God, I don't want to avoid that, I want to avoid that. There have been other times when the church is my greatest ally because get someone connected with a group of people who are loving and caring and those barriers to faith just kind of melt in the sight of authentic, real Christian community. And I think there's a reason, because that's seeing Jesus at work. Remember what I've shared with you before. We're not making a product here. We are the product, right? In other words, 
we're not about sermons and songs and groups and kids' ministries and all the stuff that we do here. Those are all tools. Those are all, I hope, helpful in your journey of faith. But fundamentally, we are about making disciples, more people passionately following Jesus, right? So we're not making a product, folks. We are the product. We are what the church does. We are the church. And so that idea that I can actually show people Jesus working in real people's lives, because I want to suggest you'll never get closer to the presence of Jesus than when in an authentic Christian community. In fact, in Matthew 18, and listen, this is really important, Jesus repeats something in Matthew 18. You should flip over there. Beginning at verse 18, he repeats something he said in Matthew 16. And this is significant that he says it to some of the same people again. He says, I tell you the truth. Now, this is Matthew 18. I tell you the truth, whatever you bind on earth, verse 18, I tell you the truth, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And now he expounds a little bit more. Verse 19, again I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything you ask for, it'll be done for you by my Father in heaven. For where two or three come together in my name, you can insert this concept of ecclesia, the church, the community, the citizens, where two or three come together in my name, there am I with them. Two or three people. The community. In my name, do you know what that means? We're on official Jesus business. We're not just kind of hanging out. I think Jesus is with us all the time. We're the temple of the Holy Ghost. But this is something different. And you need to understand that. This promise means the gathering The gathering on official Jesus business will have something different, a different manifestation of the presence of Jesus. Wherever two or more of you are there, on my business, in my name, I'm there. So when I invite people to come join me in the ecclesia, with the community, with the church, I'm not just inviting people to church. I'm inviting them to come see Jesus. That's what the scripture says. And do you understand how powerful that is? Because that, now I just tapped into, wait a minute, we're reading the New Testament. How many times did someone say to another person, come and see Jesus? Come and see. Right? Isn't that what Andrew did? He met Jesus, went to his brother Peter. Come and see. Philip to Nathaniel, actually in John 1, 46. Remember, Nathaniel, a little bit skeptical, hears that Jesus is from Nazareth, and he says this, can anything good come from there, Nathaniel asked? Come and see, said Philip. Philip could have debated. He could have got the text out. He could have said the history of Nazareth. And he could have done all that stuff. He just said, yeah, whatever. Come and see. Samaritan woman. You remember she met Jesus at a well? He told her things she'd never heard. He told her about life. He told her about living water. She believes in him, runs back to her city. What is she, what's her message? John 4, 29. Come and see a man who told me everything I ever... Come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ. See, come and see. God shows up because you show up in his name. And therefore, we can invite people to come and see. We're not just bringing people to church, folks. We're bringing them to Jesus. And that's why I want to suggest to you the best invitation is simply come and see. If you're taking notes, write that down. The best invitation is simply come and see. It's what they said over and over in the New Testament. Because of the presence of Jesus among us, we can simply invite and say, come and see. Let me share a couple of things that I think that implies. First, come and see the love you were made for. 
Come and see the love you were made for. Every one of us longs for love. We were created for love. Jesus said in John 15, 12 through 13, listen, my command is this, and he's saying this to the church. In other words, the citizens of this new kingdom. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. And then he went and modeled that in the most incredible and graphic way possible. This is what I mean by love. And what he did was when he set this church in place is he, he said, I want you to love each other as I have loved you. In other words, this church, this ecclesia, this community, it's going to be a place where people can come in and just experience my love. They can just come and experience my love. They can experience my grace. They can experience my acceptance, my forgiveness. They can experience correction in the midst of commitment. In other words, there's a correction given, but it's in the midst of commitment. It's not condemnation. They can experience my love. Thank you, Pastor Sean. You've been listening to Real Life Radio. As next week, we'll continue this series called Jesus Has Left the Building and Rediscovering the Biblical Jesus as it's available right now as a free download when you find the sermons link at reallife.org. We invite you to do more than just hear, but see and do when you join us at River City Community Church, located on Lookout Road right behind Rotama Park. You can see all the details, directions, and service times also at reallife.org. If you'd like to call the church, the number is 210-490-5262. As Real Life Radio is a service of River City Community Church, we hope you join us again next time for more real life. River City Community Church is a church for real life. Real life is what we were created for and what we're all about. Hi, I'm Pastor Sean Azaro, and we believe that we were made to have a life full of meaning and passion that can only be found in relationship with our Creator. That's what real life is. Now, for us, real life has a bit of a double meaning in that this faith of ours is also a relevant thing to the real world. It works in real life. It's not just a church thing. It's a way of living that powerfully impacts your home, work, and social world. That's why River City has a relaxed, casual feel where we enjoy practical teaching, inspirational music, and age-appropriate discovery for the whole family. We want to help every single person find the life they were created for. River City is located a mile and a half outside of Loop 1604 on Lookout Road, across from Atama Park. Sunday service times are 9 and 11. Our home on the web is reallife.org. To find out everything you need to know, stop by our website at reallife.org. We look forward to meeting you on the road to real life.